Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, welcome everybody. I'm sitting here with the magic of Zoom, <laughs> chatting with my friend Scott Burns, who lives in Portland, Oregon. So, welcome, Scott. Glad to have you here. Thanks, Jill. It's always fun to be with you. Now, wait a second. You don't sound like you're from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, originally from Scotland. not a Scotland. West Coast accent, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, West Coast and of Scotland long, to West long, Coast to the U.S. <laughs> there you go. So you're just a West Coast kind of guy. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So, so, Scotty, tell us a little bit about yourself and your context, where, where you're at, what you're up to. Yeah, so originally from Scotland and now living over here in the U.S., I am uh, pastoring a church over here in the West Coast. It's a Christian Missionary Alliance church, uh, married with three kids and uh, been in the U.S. for nine years with a six-year gap in the middle where I was back in the U.K. And then apart from pastoring, which is, I mean, takes up all your time anyway, uh, I'm involved in a lot of initiatives around about the city that are citywide prayer initiatives trying to help raise the bar of prayer and pastors and ministries around about the Portland metro area. So that's what keeps me busy most of the time. <laughs> keeps you busy most of the time. And in your spare time? Well, I guess embedded just kind of holds you as you embed in your locale. You're a member of the Order of the Mustard Seed. So to so talk to us, like, why... I mean, you're already fully engaged in ministry. You're a pastor. You do mission stuff. You're embedded in your city. You're cultivating citywide stuff. Why on earth would you join uh, this religious order as well? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. I am... It was a bit of an, an internal experiment, I guess, for me. So I had these values that I was living by and a huge uh, huge value and calling to prayer uh, and a big resonance of 24-7 and a big desire to continue to take faith deeper and uh, I'd actually I mean I guess confession time secretly I always had these moments where I was like maybe one day I'll go live in a monastery and like just pray and read and write and whatever um, and so I'd always like, well, if, if, if something happened to one of the kids, maybe I'll just pack up and go be in a monastery. Um, and so, so that concept had been there. Um, I'd been a part of a couple of uh, sort of small neo-monastic type community experiences or attempts. Um, so I guess when I heard about OMS, I, I can't remember if it was someone I was listening to, something I read. I, I got curious and I remember at the time looking at it online and it was very hard to find out information about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just, I I had this deep desire for something that, that felt deeper, um, that uh, was carrying a greater intentionality in the things that I was trying to do. Um, I was very intrigued by partnering in some capacity with people around the globe who were pursuing similar things. But then over and above all of that, like my 
my whole passion and area of writing and research has always been about discipleship. So I had this real curiosity, like what difference does living under a vow make to your pursuit of your relationship with Jesus or your spirituality? Like, is there anything that changes when you pursue something with an intentional vow on top of it? Um, and, and so the best That's way to, a great question. Yeah. So the best I, way I would to love to hear your was, answer to yeah. <laughs> was this to do it. So, um, and, and yeah, the, my answer is like, I, I've seen the difference. Like, I know we, we talk about it with the, with the vow that we take that most people tend to say, you know, being kind to people is the, the part they struggle with the most with the vow. But even through the year of preparation, um, like thinking about, okay, what's it really look like to live into this vow? It, I found it bizarre, both as a Christian and then as a pastor that the vow brought that to my attention more than anything else that I'd been living with. So like, like love God, love people. Great. And you're rubbing up against people all the time, but, but after sitting with the vow and being, okay, am I going to be true to Christ? Can't people take the gospel to nations that have these moments where someone would say something or get an email or I'd be frustrated. And my gut response would be to say or to write something and I just be true to Christ, kind to people. And, and I found that it was this, uh, or has been a regular check internally. Um, because of the intentionality of taking the vow, rather than the generality of trying to follow Jesus in all of the different ways that that takes place in your life. So that's, that's definitely one of the ways where I'm seeing um it, it check my heart in a different way. But then even as I live out my life, like I look to OMS because the, the six practices resonated with how I was living and what I was pursuing. Um, and so to make them more intentionally focused in my life really changes and helps me uh, decide what to focus on, what to say yes and no to. Um, where I need to press into and then as a pastor trying to shape a church like if I've taken vows to walk into these practices um, then what does that mean for the community that I've been asked to shepherd um, and where we need to press into as a community in order to assist me in living out these practices as well as help the people around me learn to walk in what I think are really core practices so Oh, that's helpful. Wonderful, Scotty. So let's talk about the practices for a little bit. So, you know, of the six, which ones for you are you feeling like there's an invitation from the Holy Spirit? There's something kind of percolating inside of you that, that uh, yeah, that you're just really dwelling on and thinking about and living into these days? Yeah, the- the one that the one that comes to mind the most, which is also the one that's most frustrating in this season, is mission. Um, I I forget when I start talking about a value of mission uh, that I am not from here and I'm living in a different country on mission. Right? I'm just in the context I'm in doing what I do, but I forget that like even being here in the U.S. is mission for me because I've left my context to help minister in a different context and america's great and all but scotland's 
the best place in the world, right? So, <laughs> um, but then within that, I mean, I do a lot of work. I, I spend time, a lot of time in India over the year. I spend a lot of time over there and, and in conversation during the year with India. And India for me has been in many senses, like a lot of our values and OMS coming together. Because I go over there to ministries that are, uh, I mean, prayers at the heartbeat of all that they do in a way that we just don't seem to understand in the West. Um, they are fighting for justice in a caste system that is broken, um, at providing food and water and uh, dignity uh, to people that don't have it. They are, and then as mission and evangelism takes root in their their culture they're constantly reaching out across barriers to bring the gospel to people that have never heard it like I'm, I'm i'm supporting a ministry that is ministering to people groups where they're the only people in the world reaching out to people in these languages um and and so in amongst that i mean you you know all of this but it's like i i get amazed when i'm there like creativity their creativity as they try and figure out how to reach a new people group uh, how to avoid persecution, how to shape church around these terrible schedules that people are engaged in, uh, how to translate the gospel uh, to, to reach the hearts of people that have never heard it in a culture that's so foreign. Uh, so there's, there's just so many elements for me. It's like my heart is mission, but I go over there. There's so many elements of doing mission there that force me to live into all the elements of the vow that I've taken. Uh, and I, I just love that I watch uh, their ministry as they try to take the gospel to people that have never heard it. They have to walk into all of our practices to make it happen. Mm. And so I, so, yeah, it's just, I, I love it. I get excited by it. And uh, and it's just, it's, it's so eye-opening, the, the holistic way when I go to these other countries out of my comfort zone, out of what is our paradigm for church, that you're forced to encounter the mission heart of God in a completely different way. Um, and so that I, I, I get fired up there, but, um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard in the season when I'm used to going a couple of times a year and I can't get overseas. Yeah. <laughs> so what's mission looking like for you at home right now? That's another great question. Again, challenging in the season we've been in. So I took over uh, this church 10 months ago. It's a church that's been dying for a long chunk of time and slow decline. Um, but I, I entered into this role in the middle of COVID. Um, and so mission has looked very strange for us uh, in this season as a church. Um Especially over here, the neighborhood we're in is about 40% uh, Hispanic. And so through COVID, they have, certainly in the US, they've been uh, affected to a greater degree than the white population has. And our church has is a predominantly white population right now. Um, and so it's it's been really interesting trying to figure out how you engage a mission in the community around about us when you become the person that's more protected and the people around about you that you would be trying to minister to are the more vulnerable. And so in honesty, mission in this season has been trying to help our church understand that to love our neighbor right now, we need to stay 
clear of them and really honor social distancing and mm. um, I mean we're coming out of that now but but over the last 10 months it's been like we can't go do some of the things that you want to do because they're they're affected in a greater way by this than we are yeah. and so if we go knock on doors or try and do things in our community that uh that invites them into connection when they're trying to guard themselves that's like that's difficult so so yeah it's been it's been a strange posture to be like for mission we have to do less right now um in order to love them well so that we can support them well as as things move down the line um, and then just partnering with the other agencies in town that are providing the kind of support that they need um in this season so we're just coming out of it and everything has loosened up here in the last week so we're now uh, trying to revision what mission will look like as we engage the community around about us. So we're, in, I guess we're in a learn our community posture. So a bit of community exegesis as we try and figure out what the needs are coming out of COVID so that we can yeah. love the community well. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. So mission is an important practice for you. I think another chat you and I were having, you said that learning also was, was something that feels really front and center. So talk to me more about that. Uh, <laughs> this is this is about the only time you're going to get me with a book in my hand. I guess you can see them behind me. I, <laughs> I love to read. I love to learn. Um, and I, I I was in a conversation with someone the other day where I was just looking at some people that I'm around who are stuck in their ways and narrow in their thinking and a little bit grumpy as they've aged. And sitting in a couple of conversations where people said, you know, I've lived my life, I've done my time, it's my time now, like I just get to say what I want. Wow. And and it doesn't matter if it offends someone. And and so I was in a conversation with some young guys the other day and just saying, like, I I hope I never get to a point where I stop learning and where I feel like what I've learned is the answer and that I don't need to listen or respect someone else. Uh, and, and so it, it just had me, had me pondering, you know, like I'd love to learn and going, I, I feel like I'd never be in that place. I mean, I've taken a vow that says I'm going to pursue learning. I've got practices in place that help me continue to learn, but realizing as, as I was talking, like, I have areas in my life where like, this is the way it is. And I've studied this and I've read the books and I feel fairly confident. And so I'm like, the scary thing is in those moments, I realize I do have that propensity to stop learning and to think I've arrived at the conclusion. And so I go, even at like in my late thirties, I I see these elements in, in myself where there's parts of my life where you you have come to a sort of conclusion in that part of your journey and then you think that that means you're done and I'm going I, I don't want to be at a place when I'm when I'm old <laughs> and I realize like I've done that and a little of, bit and a little <laughs> bit grumpy <laughs> yeah. but uh but yeah so I I like right now I've taken this role I've been involved in ministry for a long time um, you know, I went to seminary to, to, to learn. I went and got my doctorate to learn. 
and I've been in ministry positions where you're learning how to minister and what you need to do. And, and now I've stepped into this role that's very different. So it's, it's the lead seat. It's a turnaround ministry. It's in a denomination that I'm not as familiar with. Um, and managing staff and figuring out the like I'm used to partnering with people and coming up with a vision together and this is all a very different situation so one of the first things I did was uh, there's this thing called the Townsend Leadership Program which is like an executive leadership coaching training and I'm just like I need like I'm in an environment that's foreign there's some areas where I know that these are not things I've studied learned like feel competent in so I'm going to throw myself into another program that's going to help me gain the kind of skills and learning that I need um, to be able to do this effectively. And so, so yeah, um, every, every opportunity I have to try and learn something new, uh, I'm throwing myself into it, trying to stay open, trying to stay diverse. Uh, and honestly, I, again, I, I'd happily go live in a monastery and just <laughs> read and think and reflect and write. Um, and, and, you know, over here, we've had uh, a big part of learning over this last year and a half with everything that's gone on in Portland. We've had the, the, the riots that happened in the wake of George Floyd's death and um, a lot of questions in the church around what the white church's response should be, how, how we're supposed to support that community. So a big part of learning over this last year um, was uh, we helped coordinate these prayer vigils around the city in the kind of in response to the call from uh, civil righteousness um, to engage places of pain in the city. And so we organized these events where we had, uh, we went to places of pain for the black community around Portland and we gathered for worship. And it was, I mean, people from all around the city, different churches, different streams, denominations coming together. And we gathered to worship. And then we had a like a dear friend, Pastor Lisa Saunders, who's a black pastor in the area who would share the events that had happened in that area, um, the murders and displacements and uh, riots and different things that happened around about the city and the pain that that had caused to the black community and then we took time to pray for redemption of of those altars of pain to become places of praise and so it was a huge growing and learning season because I, I didn't know the cultural heritage of Portland I didn't know that it had a like a very intentional history of white gentrification and trying to push out the black community and so when the riots came up like the desire to learn and a commitment to learn and said okay I got to learn about Portland I've got to learn about our heritage and I've got to to kind of try and understand the anger that I'm seeing the hurt that is evident um, and so that became this really powerful uh, process and watching documentaries, listening to black brothers and sisters in the city explain uh, pain. So, so I guess for me, learning is really listening. Uh, who am I listening to? Um, and especially outside of my own vein, like yeah, our have, little bubble that we create, yeah. a little algorithm that gets that that constellation of things that begin to swing around us, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so. 
So that that season was really like at the time I wouldn't have said it was our, our value of learning. I probably would have said it was the value of justice, you know, like like helping to turn pain into praise. Um, but then realizing afterwards, it was a huge learning, growing season because there was so much I didn't know about here that was that I was shocked at when I heard what it was, and it drove me into. Uh, listening to a community who see the world differently, whose experience here in Portland has been different. And then again, in learning. So what does that mean for us as a church to engage the community around about us? And so, um, yeah, I think, I think with learning that that's it. There's the two pieces that, that I, that I sit in my brain at when it comes to how do you become a person of learning and one is the ability to listen, and especially to things that are outside of your echo chamber. And then the other piece is, is the place of tension. Um, I know you like the language of resonance and resistance, um, but, uh, but I think of that, that place of tension, like where are the places in my life where I find tension between what I'm standing in and what I'm hearing or reading? And then am I willing to engage the tension or am I just going to shut it out and say, I don't like it. And so I'm going to go back to my own little set of books over here that I really like, or am I going to take that tension and dive in and say, okay, why is there tension here? Is it an area that is wrong that I now need to go, okay, I need to understand their viewpoint so I can understand why I think this is wrong. And I can biblically say, like, this is why I have an issue with this. Or is this me in my bubble going, there's some truth here that is grinding against my falsity. And I need to press into this and explore it more to be able to be open to receiving the truth that's in here. So that was a lot of my experience during those prayer vigils was here's some truths that are being spoken that's different to how I understood my life in Portland. And now I've got to press into this and, and explore it more to see what God wants to teach. So. No, oh, it's been quite, quite a journey. Yeah. 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 Quite a journey for a lot of us, but love to hear how that, how it's, you know, in your particular context, you know, how you've been growing and, and being shaped and formed. Love to talk, just you've alluded a couple of times to what it means for you as a pastor of a church, being a member of the order, living into the vows yourself and how that impacts the life of your congregation. I know that a number of our listeners, even though we're a lay order, a number of our listeners are clergy. And so is there anything more you'd like to say about what it's like to be a pastor and a member of the order and how you see it, you know, hopefully uh, bringing life and challenge to the congregation, the people that you lead? Yeah. I think, I, I think it's partly tied to learning. <laughs> And wanting, wanting to grow, like so. So part of the order for me is uh, continuing to stay in a process where I am pursuing intentional growth spiritually around practices that are important. Because we all know ministry, life and ministry is busy, and it's easy for things like prayer to get pushed on the back burner. It's easy to get stuck in. Here's the way I preach. It's just the way I do it. There's no creativity anymore, and trying to make it happen. Um, here's the model of church that I grew up in or the model of church that I like. And so we run with the model and don't have to be creative about how you pursue faith and growth. And 
And so part, part of stepping into the order for me was as someone in ministry that is per, trying to pursue God wholeheartedly, I saw an invite into a greater intentionality and a, a community that supports that, even although we're scattered uh, and it's like not necessarily having constant contact with people, just the awareness that you're doing this with other people provides a sort of accountability to keep growing and pressing into it. Um, I think, again, personally for me, the prayer watches have just been a beautiful part of establishing good rhythm that is outside of a community that I'm in and that I'm not the one required to lead it all. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's so a great gift, isn't in, it? Yeah, coming <laughs> in as a participant and and sitting under someone else guiding prayer and and sometimes in, in, in ways that are not what I'm used to. And, and all of that then feeds into our congregation. But um, part of the fun, I think, here in, in my wrestling in this season, we're trying to revision where we're going as a church. The church has been in decline. How do you bring life to a church that, that has been struggling? And, and then as we're talking with our leadership team about what are the vision and the values that we want to walk in, I, I have to present to them, well, here's, here's the vision and the values that I have committed to walk in. And so to what my wrestle is, to what degree should those vision and values then shape where we're going as a church? And so we're experimenting right now with what does it look like to build our church around the practices that, that I've committed to as part of OMS, these values that are so key. Um, and, and so, I mean, when I took the job, like part of why they wanted me in the role was the church wanted to press into prayer. And so it's like, okay, intentional prayer. Like this is a value of yours. It's a key value of mine. It's also a value of this group that I'm a part of. And um, and there's, you know, I think when it comes to figuring out prayer in a church, this is something that I think the prayer watch is really impacting me with, right? I don't know why in church settings, the minimum an event needs to be is an hour, right? So we're going to have a prayer meeting. So you have to come from six to seven, or if you're doing worship, it's like six to seven thirty or six to eight. And just that, like you're going, okay, so we're going to do this prayer gathering for an hour once a week, and we're going to try and get everyone there. But then when you realize the potency, like when when you launched the prayer watches and the potency of like thirty minutes of gathering, uh. And and doing it more consistently, like, sorry, my mind is going a million places at once. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this together. But I'm in <laughs> one set of calls that was like one evening a week for two hours with a group of people on Zoom. And then at the end of those two hours, we'd probably linger for half an hour, so you get about two and a half hours of contact once a week. And then I'd be in the prayer watches, and you get five mornings for half an hour. And so I've got two and a half hours of prayer watch, and then I've got two and a half hours of this other gathering. One of them is more learning oriented. One of them is more prayer oriented. And I felt more connected to the people on the OMS calls, doing like a half an hour, five days a week, missing some of them here and there than I did with this consistent two and a half hour chunk once a week with this group of people. And so looking at some of that, that's it's our practice, but it's also some of the, the uh, 
I guess, rhythms that have been put in place. And I start looking at my church going, if I could get my people praying for together for 15 to 20 minutes once a day, rather than trying to leave it all for this once a week prayer meeting, the sense of community that gathers, the sense of support and the healthy rhythm that gets put in place is far greater. So that's one of the things being an, being an OMS, I've had no other context in my life where that kind of rhythm has existed. Um, and so experiencing it and then having the comparison to what I'm used to in once a week gatherings. I'm looking at my church going, how do I put more of these rhythms in place that are short daily experiences that can drive people into a more lived in rhythm rather than these sort of more artificial once a week kind of drop in and then forget about it the rest of the week. So there's lots of these pieces of my engagement with OMS that I think are shaping what we're trying to do here to build greater community and greater consistency and spiritual discipline. So Wonderful. Oh, good, Scotty. So good. Lovely to chat with you about mission. And, and I love the way you described mission because you didn't describe it of like, oh, I went there and then we like blessed people in India. It was like, oh, I went there and I actually learned how to live into the gospel. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And, um, you know, learning your own passion for learning and then what that looks like for you as you're embedded. Like we just say to every member of the order, you are a planting of the Lord. You have been planted somewhere. You have been embedded somewhere. And that's where you are living into these vows and these practices. So for you, it's, it's there as a pastor of your local church and just seeing again how that can bring life and flourishing to your congregation. It's beautiful. So thank you so much. Um, I'm sure there's lots more we could talk about, but uh, I'm wondering as, as we wind it up, um, could you, could you pray for everybody? That'd be all right. Are there any last words you want to say before you pray? No, great. I can <laughs> just pray. We're good. <laughs> God, you're so good and kind and gracious. And I love, and I say it almost every time we talk, I just love your presence, that you're present everywhere. And so right now, people in different countries who are listening to this recording, I mean, you're present with them as they sit, as they listen, you're present in the circumstances they're facing. You're present in uh, the ministries they're engaged in. And you're present in the longings that they have internally that you've put there that drive them to the things of your kingdom. And so, God, we thank you for the people that are listening on who are uh, seeking a deeper experience of you and how to live into the gospel in the context they're in. Lord, open their eyes to see your presence Open their ears to hear your voice. Uh, open their hearts to receive more of the love that you have that they can pour out to the people round about. Lord, we pray for clarity where there's muddiness. Uh, we pray for discipline where there's a lack. Lord, we pray for grace uh, in the midst of all that's going on. So, Lord, we want to be people who are true to you and, and kind to people and bold with your gospel. And so uh, we need more of your spirit at work in us, enabling that to happen. So spirit, as people are listening and receiving, may you open their hearts, may you take them uh, on a new journey and a deeper journey into who you are. Uh, 
and what you're doing uh, and how you've crafted them to be part of that. So yeah, God, thank you for listeners. Thank you for the order. Uh, Would you bless us as we try to honor you in the way that we live our lives? And we ask all in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Go.